Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to The Parent As parents, we're hell-bent on protecting our kids. When they're little, we have ultimate control over what they eat, who they play with, what risks they take. But as they grow up, we have to relinquish this control. It's important that they make their own friends and their own mistakes. Bullying is something we all fear. The idea that anyone could bully our precious kids is unbearable. But bullying has always been and always will be a part of life and not something we can ever completely shield them from. My guest today is Stella O'Malley, a psychotherapist and writer who believes that instead of shielding our children from bullying, we need to work on bully-proofing them, providing them with the skills and insight to deal with the bullies. Stella, thank you so much for joining me today. This is such a great topic. So let's start at the beginning, Stella. How do you define bullying? What does bullying look like? Well, I think a nice kind of uh, definition of bullying is repeated aggression from somebody with more power. And there's a few kind of key words in that, the repeated, because it's not just one off and somebody has to have more power. Now, that power can be social power. So one child in the class might have an awful lot of um, status. And so their repeated aggression to somebody who is much less status could be bullying. The same with a teacher to a child or various other different ways of showing power. But yeah, that to me is what bullying is. You know, it has, it does seem to have been with us forever. I'm not sure whether we can ever um, wipe it out. I certainly don't think we're going to do it in my lifetime because it's so prevalent. Um, Who knows what will come up in the future. But I I do think we can reduce the impact, reduce the frequency, reduce the intensity, reduce the hangover as in the kind of the fallout of it. And if we can reduce all of that, we've really kind of got ourselves to quite a good place. And actually, in a way... Being able to teach children how to identify and deal with tricky people in the world is actually a really important skill for them to have, isn't it? I think it's a gift for life. I think if you have taught your child that there's tricky people and they pop up everywhere, they pop up in the classroom, they pop up in your soccer team and they continue. You'll see them when you're an adult. You'll see them in your office. You'll see them everywhere. Sadly, they are there. And well, they don't, the political and stage, they, we see it. <laughs> and it's a skill to be able to handle them. It's a skill that you can acquire. And some people are just naturally really good at it. Some people are naturally really, really good at sports. You throw them a ball and they can 
play around with it. And for some people, it takes a bit more effort to teach them how to do it. But it doesn't mean you can't massively um, improve your ability in this arena. You can. And so you can teach kids from really quite a young age. You can teach them, for example, you're in a cafe. You can say, look, the waiter looks really annoyed, doesn't he? And your child could say, really, do they? And you could say, yeah, look at his face and the way he's kind of tight. And I think there's something going on there. Or you might say afterwards when you're in the playground, I think that child was getting very frustrated. And what you're doing is you're not just you're not engaging in harmless gossip. What you're actually doing is teaching your child how to read expressions, how to read how some people were getting annoyed and some people weren't. And some people didn't realize they were annoying somebody else. And these are huge social skills that I think we think it's like magic. You have it or you don't. And I'm like, my own children have dyslexia and they they can read, they can write, but we had to give a lot more effort to do it. So it's the same. You 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 know, some people need way more effort to teach them that than others. Yeah, and also, you know, we don't expect children to read on their own. So why would we not be prepared to teach them and give them a little bit of a head start in something that's so important? Yeah. And so many of us have kind of learned that, oh, I can't deal with that. Good luck. I, I just I can't deal with that. That's just too hard. And that's a very kind of it's a very depressing viewpoint in life of as in you're good at something or you're bad at something. And if you're bad at it, there's no, no point in trying. And in so many realms, like in school, we say, oh, keep trying and we teach them. And then we seem to park our social skills as you either have the magic or you don't. And I think, nah, we've got to teach kids that they're going to be tricky and some are going to be downright difficult. And sometimes the most important skill you can teach when you're around somebody who's downright difficult is you need to give them a wide berth. They're difficult. They will fight with their own fingernails, as my mother used to say, and they they need to be given a distance. We have to kind of be wary around them, watch the patterns, make sure you try not to get into their target or their line of vision and just kind of navigate around them so that your life isn't impacted. Now, people will immediately say, I've no doubt your listeners will think, oh, but, you know, we have to go for the bully and we have to teach the bully better behavior. And we do. We certainly do. And I think, you know, without a doubt, we have to put a lot of emphasis on teaching children not to be a bully and being generous minded enough as a parent to say, I think my child is falling into bullying behavior and I have to watch him and I have to or her and I have to teach them better. But we can't just do that. We also have to say, you know, honestly, tricky people are everywhere. You've got you've got to learn how to navigate around them. Your life will be much easier if you do. Yeah, absolutely. And learn when to sort of let it go, to really disagree with something that someone's done or the way they've handled something or what they've said and just been like, because I'm definitely one of those people that calls people out, you know, whether idling is my big thing when people are sitting there in their car with their engines on. I'm always tapping on the window going, please, can you turn your engine off very politely? But my husband's like, you don't know who's in there. Just don't start a row. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I kind of discussed that a little bit in, in my book, Bullyproof Kids. I discussed that some of us, and I am like you, I'm a speaker-upper. <laughs> and, we, we, and we end up doing things like podcasts and writing books because we're speaker-uppers. So the very thing that has you knocking on the door <laughs> to tell somebody to turn off their engine is the same impetus that has you doing a pod- podcast. And I have it too, so I, I completely um, empathize with you. However, I do think that child, which, which we once were, 
we can ruffle feathers. And, um, you know, I realized through my studying of bullying, I realized that there's kind of three types of classic targets. One would be the the passive target. And this would be my own little boy is like this. He's gentle, he's docile, he's obedient, he's compliant. He's, he's a lovely way about him. He just wants everybody to get along. And honestly, he would never knock on somebody's window to tell them to turn over. He just, he just go, oh, you'd never know what's going on for them. I'll leave them to it. And um, so that gentle type, if there's a bully in the vicinity, they will seek power from that very easily. It's like just kind of taking a swipe out of them and they do it and it's very easily done. And that passive type keeps their head down and they just want to avoid trouble. And sometimes the bullies can see that's an easy target for me. And it's the passive kind of target. Then there's the accidental target where they might just have got a funny name that might rhyme with something silly from TV or from social media. And it sticks and accidentally they've got into the line of vision, generally over something funny, like somebody's trousers got pulled down and he got called a horrible name and it stuck. And it lasted for many years because he didn't tell anybody. And then as a result, he effectively got chipped in a very eroding way for years just because of a stupid name. So an awful lot of distress can happen with the accidental target. And I really think in those cases, the parents need to be all over the situation and really come in strong to get rid of the name and make sure that it is just not said. But the last type is me and you, which is the provocative target, which is we provoke we provoke people in a way. We're truth sayers. We have this kind of need to speak up and say, well, really, they shouldn't be. They're just thoughtlessly idling with, with the engine running and they need to be told. And the world will run better if I tell them. So I'm going to tell them while everybody behind are going, oh, my God. <laughs> And, you know, I'm glad we exist. Of course, I'll be glad we exist. But I think when that child is told you are that person who will speak the truth, you're taking the rocky road. I find that it calms them down. They go, oh, so that's why I annoy people. OK, I can handle that. That makes sense, actually. And when something makes sense, I think it calms us because I think that child feels like, why are they all jumping on me? I thought they all liked me. And I was only saying the truth. And what, what's wrong with this? And when they're told, well, you know, people in general like to avoid the truth when it's difficult. And sometimes they just get distressed because you're pushing it at them. They could go, OK, I, I can get my head around that and I can forgive myself and I can forgive them and we can roll better. I think it's very empowering for that kid to hear about that. Well, very often those kids are called antagonistic or aggressive or troublemakers, which is so frustrating because if you're like just telling him, asking him to stop idling. In the nicest possible manner. What's the problem? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have a soft spot for them. My own daughter is 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 uh, uh, provocative in that way and I, I like it in in people and I surround myself with people who are like that and we like it in each other but I think we really annoy other people you can see my my son who's passive he's just like why why would you say it why not just not say it and we're all smiling and it's written all over his face but she says hang on a second and then she goes with her with her children. and how do you deal so if if your children fit into one of these categories how do you support them um, in terms of preparing them? Because obviously, ideally, you don't even want them to get you don't even want them to get into the sort of being bullied situation. Is there anything you can do before they get into that situation to sort of make them more aware and maybe make different choices that might help them avoid that situation? 
Um, it's yeah, we, there is things we can do. There, it's a really lovely thing to do as a parent is to see your child for who they are, not who you think they should be, not their potential, but for who they are. Acknowledge them, and you know, help them in any way that they need in that way. So imagine if it's a very passive child you have, and some of some people we they just seem to come out of the womb like that. They're gentle. They're maybe a little bit nervous. Might be a little bit timid. They're not one of life's fearless adventurers. And those children need, and I think from really quite an early age, they can be given just the ability to say, you've got your strong, your strength in your tummy. And when you're, when you're feeling nervous, you try and kind of hold your tummy and kind of remember, this is where my strength is. And I've got my strength in my brain. You don't have to fight anybody. You know, it's not your nature to fight anybody. It's it's not going to be your way. But you can be clever and you can realize trouble is coming and I need to take a turn left here. Or I'm going to stand over beside the teacher because before school every day, the bully seems to be prowling around the playground looking for trouble. I've anticipated that with my brain. And now I'm going to stand over here because that's the worst time of the day. I've realized that. So that's kind of the kind of intelligence and the strength in your brain. But your tummy would be more about their, their physical body language. And these timid people, they often bend over a little bit and they need to be told maybe every day before school. Imagine you have a gentle, timid kid. You teach them now, put your shoulders back, get your strength from your tummy. Remember, your strong voice is low. Your weak voice is high. So when you want to say something serious, you go down low and you say no. And so you could practice with the child. Now you're to say no to me no and they could go no and you go no we go low not that they will do it with the bully that's prowling around but that they're learning in a very it's like throwing pebbles in a barrel they're learning from a very young age that their strong voice is a low voice and it's in their tummy and shoulders back makes them feel a bit stronger so that you're teaching as somebody who it doesn't come naturally to in a very slow way like i say that's not for that's not that they can handle the bully today or Saturday. Not at all. This is just giving them a long-term lesson that you'd repeat many, many, many times to them. We do have an awful lot of power as parents. If you think about it, there's some phrases that your mother repeated or your father repeated. And it just went in. Mine was such ridiculous ones like, uh, don't go out, don't put your head in a plastic bag. I don't know why I wouldn't. And don't go outside with your hair wet. Like, but there, you can actually, you have power to give really wise things rather than that. And you can repeat it to each child. So it can be specific to the child. So you might say to one child, you know, learning to say no is very liberating or learning to say no could be really helpful for you. And so that they hear that from you all the time and they realize I've got to learn to say no. But some other child you might have, you might realize now that's not what they need today. You could be something like holding back and letting other people talk can be very valuable. And that could be for another child. So you're, you're not just giving the three children or the four children or the two children the same lesson. It's specific to the child that you actually think that's what they really need to hear from me. And I'm going to say it often enough. So like I say, the pebbles in the barrel that one day they get to a point where they remember where their strong voice is and they remember to put their shoulders back and they've they've learned it over time and in terms of the accidental target the child that you know has an unfortunate incident fun is had at their expense and it sticks that's obviously not something that you can anticipate but is there a way of kind of arming our children with any kind of skills or whatever it is to kind of help them 
I guess it's about them speaking up sooner rather than later and just letting adults know if this is happening. Yeah, it's about them speaking up and about giving them an opportunity to speak up. And that can be in the reflective spaces that you give. If you're, if you're always in a hurry, which many of us are, the child mightn't have the time to say, there's a kind of a funny name being said. You kind of might need to kind of have a bit of space, maybe at the end of the day that you go into their bedroom and you just hang out a little bit and you're not necessarily cleaning the room and you're not being busy, maybe reading the story, but you're just a little bit of brain space of who are you playing with today or, you know, is 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 everything going well? Just a little bit of making sure that there's regular times in your life that your child has just a bit of downtime to say, actually, it's not great. They really got stuck on a name. So you know what I mean? There is a bit of space for that. But the second thing is to be very aware that we don't like to admit we're being bullied. None of us do. It's the most shameful secret for so many people. And we don't want to talk about it. So, so many children, and it's not because they don't feel close to their parents. It's because they can't bring it up. They can't bring up this humiliating name. And the second they're away from it, they just tuck it away and don't think about it again. And hope, because they're kids and they engage in magical thinking, they hope it'll go away. They hope they'll just stop it. They'll just stop it tomorrow. I hope they just stop it. And you might remember being a kid. You can think like that for years. I just hope it'll go away. I just hope it'll go away. And it won't necessarily. So that's where you might ask, especially if a real sign for any parent who's worried is how is their self-talk to themselves? If they're talking in a mean way to themselves, I would say they're getting that from somebody. They're getting that kind of the derogatory, disrespectful attitude towards themselves. Where's that coming from? And so you might bring that up. You might say, God, I saw you saying really mean things to yourself. I wonder where that comes from. I wonder, is there anything going on in school that you're learning that 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 it's okay to speak to you like that? Because I'd never speak to you like that because I think you're my my darling. And, you know, you're trying to give it in a space and then you let it go. So you don't have to kind of grab them by the shoulders and tell, tell me what it is, son. It's much more a kind of a, a vague checking in, then another checking in a few days later in a very gentle way, giving them the opportunity each time to, to say something. But when they do say it, that's when, you know, we always say that we'll take a bullet for our child. This could be the bullet you're taking for your child, where you have to be willing to become a polite nuisance to the school or to wherever it is, maybe in the football club. And you go in and you say, there's a problem. I need it ha- um, handled and I need it managed well. And I'm going to come back in a few weeks to check in because this is devastating for my child. And you will very often be waved away. You'll very often be undermined and told it's no big deal. Calm down. We all get into a bit of rough and tumble. But you need to kind of have your wits about you and have your strength and say, yeah, for us, it's devastating. So I am going to come back in a few weeks. And that is hard. That does that does take a lot of strength from the parent to be the child's advocate. But I do think it's necessary when it's a name, when it's a derogatory name, you just have to go all in, I think, with something like that. And do you say that to the child? Would you say, don't let anyone call you that name? Or maybe you should have a word with your classmates say, you know, I find this really hurtful and offensive. I'd prefer you didn't use it. Or is that something that you handle independently from your child? In a way, I would give the child space that mommy's going to handle this or daddy's going to handle that. We're going to have a think about it. One thing I would say is I hear you. 
this sounds really distressing. I'm going to have a think about this. I'm going to research this and I'm going to come back with a solution, but it won't be just one solution. It'll be a few different solutions. So don't worry. You know, we, we, we get that there's a problem and don't think there's going to be one big thing and then it'll all go away. These things take a little time. And part of it might be to the child that you might need to kind of um, stand up a little bit to them, but you you mightn't as well, if you follow me, because asking somebody who's timid to look the, the, the bully in the eye and say, don't call me that name, could just set them up for failure, where they think, because they're a kid, they think, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that. And then it happens and they say nothing and they feel like an utter failure and they feel even worse than they did before because now they... They can't even stand up to them, even though they've been told to. So they can feel a lot worse if we're not careful. And so you you kind of have to gauge it with semi kind of, I'll be looking after it. I might ask you to do a couple of things, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. And there's more than one way to skin a cat. And we're going at this in lots of different ways. So that they should have a part in the resolution. The child should feel that they've 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 been part of the solution to make things better. But they shouldn't feel that it's all on their shoulders because that's too much for some people. It's too much for most people. Like if you were being bullied in an office and I said, you go in there with your head held high and you say this and you say that. And I was your partner. You just say, oh, my God, will you back off? I have never felt so weak and vulnerable. And now you're telling me all this. You know what I mean? So we have to give room for that. And. What does bullying kind of look like? I mean, I'm saying we're all familiar with the sort of uh, physical bullying, and I, I, I might be wrong, but I, I presume that when children are a bit younger, bullying often does manifest itself in pushing and scratching and biting and that kind of repeated physicality. Yeah, it can get very complicated as they get older. And even it's notable, I think children are very sophisticated these days, probably because of technology. So it's notable that, you know, it used to be very much hitting and screaming and, and, and biting and things. More and more, it's robbing things from somebody's, you know, school bag or it's uh, defacing their, their, you know, their copy or their clothes and things like that. It's writing about them. There's a huge amount of online issues. And no sooner do the children in the class get a phone and bullying is starting. It's it's so quick that it starts. And it's things like, you know, um, um, you know, there's a few WhatsApp groups and they might have Snapchat groups or whatever groups they have, but they leave everybody out of the group. So they're only in one group and then they're talking about them in the other group and there's all sorts of power plays going on. And I've heard of, a, you know, children and they were only about 11 and they, uh, it was really, it was very much a kind of an impact of early porn that had really kind of destroyed these, just a couple of children in the class. And it, it made the whole scene rotten, where basically they put one girl into a group and all the boys said what they were going to do to her. And they were very young to be, yeah. And she couldn't, I heard about it afterwards retrospectively, but she couldn't leave the group because she was so afraid of the conversation going on without her. And I do think we need to, it was a horrible situation and kind of much more common than you might think. The online thing is very much about pylons and they're young. They're young and they haven't learned online etiquette. So we've taught our children to smile and say thank you and to look at people. And when you're crossing the road, to look up at the cars and all that. But we haven't taught them in, in a very definitive way about how to behave online. You do not. If you're in a pylon, you get the hell out of the pylon. You don't press like. 
You don't say LOL. One thing I do think that maybe they don't do LOL, but they do laughing emojis and stuff. And they say, I didn't do anything. It's like, well, you actually did five laughing emojis. You, you did do something. And so they need to be aware they're part of it, even if they're just laughing. Because one thing I think people forget about bullying is that it's often funny. It's often quite funny. And so that that gets the sidekicks, that gets the group to be laughing along because they're laughing at the funniness of the line or of the the accusation or whatever it is. And actually, it's funny for everybody except the person for whom, you know, is being targeted. And I think we need to acknowledge that just because it's funny doesn't mean you you engage. You still sometimes have to say, hang on, this is 20 kids on one kid. And the one kid isn't, even though it's technically, if you were to look at the wit, you could say it's funny. It's so cruel. It's not. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Funny, And so that's where we have to teach our children around how to behave themselves online, how to make sure that they're never part of a bullying thing inadvertently. I find a lot of the children at the start, they don't realize it. They've never been part. They've never been piled on. So they've no idea what it feels like. They're 12. They don't know. And so they jump on. And then by the time it's quite noticeable, by the time they're about 15 or 16, they've learned how to behave. And the hurt has been, but the hurt that can be caused between 10 and 15 is phenomenal because they're too young to handle this sophisticated technology. And short of denying your child that technology, which, you know, definitely (laughs) is appealing, uh, but not not always sort of realistic. I mean, presumably we could just have conversations with our children about sort of etiquette, which isn't sort of formal, but, you know, explaining to them the power, really the power of silence you know, the power of not responding to someone's text is probably louder than replying and just getting them to understand how nuanced online communication is and what a, what a short distance it is between being aloof and actually being really quite mean to someone. Yeah. And silence is definitely something that, um, an awful lot of children don't realize that just because you've been sent a message doesn't mean you have to reply. And they just think, Oh, (laughs) sent. I must reply if you follow me. And also, I think um, the more that parents can use stories from the media, go and seek them out and find if your child is 11 and you're worried about how your child is is behaving, go and Google 11 year old boy 
you know, engaging in sexting or something, you'll find loads of stories, no matter what the situation is, you'll find a jealousy around looks or, you know, fat shaming or something like that. You could easily Google it. And then you tell the child, God, I was reading this story about this kid. And you're telling them, but you're teaching them the etiquette in a way that it's kind of this story happened. Yeah, it's extraordinary what happened. And you go into the story and what happened and the child is listening just like they would have been listening to other contexts, but they don't get that taught. And I think parents need to actually go out of their way to teach it between, I'd say, primarily between 10 and, and 13 is when you can really start pushing in stories and you need to. Because by then, they won't be listening to you. By the time they're 13, they're turning you off. You've become the verbal wallpaper. And so you really have to get the stories in before then. Talk about what happens online. Whether they're online or or not, they need to know stuff happens and people get incredibly upset and devastated. And this is how it happens. And you'd never know it's happening. You could sometimes be part of something and you don't even know it because you've pressed smile on something funny and you didn't realise that actually was all directed at one person and I suppose you can also use your own experiences even if you know you've you know embellished them slightly but it feels like especially if your child is someone who may be sort of not necessarily you know the main protagonist but someone sort of on the side going oh I remember you know a few years ago I I pressed funny face or laughing emoji on something and I really felt guilty because I hadn't thought about how the other person was feeling and it turned out they were actually really sad and going through a difficult time and you know you're then modeling to them that it's okay to sort of get it wrong it's not it's not ideal to get it wrong but we all do and then you're saying so please come to me or you know we can we can solve this for you rather than kind of keeping quiet about it and trying to resolve it on your own that's a key point what you just brought up there which is your child needs to feel that when they come to you, you won't lose it. And so many children, I'm a psychotherapist, and so many children who've come to me over the years, they said, I told her she went nuts. I'm not telling her again. This second time, it's mad, It's worse again. She'll go mad. I can't even trust my mother to behave in an appropriate way because she went so mad the first time. Or secondly, she got so upset that I can't take it. She, 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 she would be so devastated, I can't take it. And I remember I, I worked with one particular kid and she couldn't tell her parents because she knew it would upset them so much. And she was left in an incredibly lonely place because of that. And that's where I think of, you know, your, your own great Prime Minister, Winston Churchill. He said, sometimes it's not enough to do our best. Sometimes we have to do what's required. And I kind of think that in the face of the pain of your child, and I wouldn't say that lightly because it's a very heavy sentence because <laughs> you just have to do it. But in the face of a pain of your child, where you would generally, we would do anything for our child. If they come to you and they are devastated about something, in a way, I would say, put your game face on, hold yourself together. They have come to you. You need to be the safe harbor here. You need to say, okay. Yeah, is that what happened? Tell me what else happened. Because if you start spitting immediately, they'll close down or they won't tell you the second time or they won't tell you the third time. So that's where I'd say you hold yourself together. And so that's 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 a shocking story. I'm going to think about it. I'm not going to say right now how we're going to address this. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to read about it. I'll get back to you. But just let me think about this. And then you might go out 
and scream and talk to your friends and say, I cannot believe what I've just heard of the, you know what I mean? And it might be a devastating, devastating story, but you've held it together for the child in need so that the next time they can come to you. And I think that's a really special thing to give to them. But on that, so many uh, parents have come to me and a year later, the child is up and running. The child is okay. And the parent is like, I can't, I can't get over what happened. I changed the nappies of these children. I was in the playgroups with them. I looked after them after school and then they turned on my child and so did their family. I, I can't get over it. So I wouldn't underestimate how much the attack of your child hurts you. I think it's it can be really, really, really hurtful. I remember one parent saying to me, I keep on thinking somebody's behind me keep on kind of gesturing and I was like I can see why you're like a lioness whose whose family were attacked and she keeps on kind of seeing you know attacks it was a response to having her child was very badly attacked and I could see why she was feeling like that and I presume too it's important for the children to know that you're gonna you're gonna okay the solution with them you're not going to be like, right, don't worry about it. I'll deal with this. They kind of want to know no. what you're going to do. They need no. You normally need to have a conversation with them going, okay, well, these are our options. How about we talk to so-and-so, we talk to the teacher, we, and so that they're kind of on board with them because otherwise, you know, they're giving you their biggest problem, the life that they're living, and then absol- you know, relinquishing all control of, over it, which can be a scary thing yeah. for them. And sometimes parents get it wrong and sometimes teachers get it wrong. So you could say to the child, it's all in hand. I've sorted it. I don't worry about it. And you could go into the teacher and the teacher could be useless. And now where's the child? How can the child trust you? Because it's like it's not sorted. It's got worse, actually. It's significantly worse. Now where am I going to go? And how can I trust you? Because you told me it would go and get better. So in a way, yes, I think definitely you, you, you are in charge. You have got the authority. You are the parent. And you could say, there's a couple of things I'm going to do and I'm not going to run by you because they're actually quite adult. But these are the things you do need to know. And you could tell them a few things about, you know, anticipating the patterns of the bullying, anticipating when it's worse, anticipating what are they fixating on and making sure that that has been kind of explored and kind of um, um, on, in, on some level bullyproofed, if you follow me, that maybe it's, I don't know, a lunchbox or maybe it's a name or something like that, that you've kind of explored that. But there does sometimes come a time where you might think that this is going nowhere, that the school aren't helping. The school aren't helping at all. And now I'm in in a really difficult position. So do leave a little bit of room for this mightn't go to plan and I need to keep my child's trust. So the big thing you're sending them is shoulder to shoulder. I'm on it. I'm, I'm the adult. I'm in charge going to run by a few kind of resolutions with you and hopefully you'll take part in in this. And we're going to defend ourselves in many different ways. The most important thing is that we're going to keep together and we're going to make sure that you don't engage, you child, don't engage in victim blaming because so many of us, we beat ourselves up. And we say, I did it wrong. I I was wrong. They hate me because, yeah. And so it's very important that we don't let them do that and say, no, the villain of the piece, keep your eye on them. They're the villain of the piece. You got attacked. We're defending ourselves. And our job is not to beat ourselves up when we get attacked. Our job is to be clever 
and make sure that we kind of get out of this really tricky and difficult situation. And if the school are being useless or really unhelpful, is it ever okay to go directly to the parents of the bully or is that something you should stay well away from? <laughs> I do I do detail this in the book and I get into quite extreme detail around what you should do when the school are being useless, what should you do when the parents... Sometimes it can help by going to the parents. More often, the parents, the child learned it from the parents. And more often, if the child is quite clearly very much the cut of their parents, what is the point of going to a bully who will basically say, well done, son? You, you know what I mean? So it's it, there's very little point in doing that, unless you think they've always been engaged and reasonable before. If you've got good evidence that they're decent, it can be really helpful. But when you do, you'd need to ground yourself and you'd need to kind of make sure that you've got your words right. And you'd say, we've got a bit of a situation and my father, my kid is feeling things are a little bit tricky and we just love a little bit of help. So if you could specifically ask one question of this burn and let that be the tester, like, you know what I mean? Could you ask them not to X, you know what I mean? And it's very specific and it's your tester. It's your starter for 10. And if the parent goes with that, you could think, OK, we can go a little bit further now, as in they were they were decent enough. But um, very often the parents are tricky in themselves and you're going to cause more and more and more problems. And sometimes it's it's not really going to work. And also, may I say that if you feel your child has been dehumanized, that's the real rule, th- rule of thumb. If the child is just not being viewed, you might remember it in school yourself certain children they'd lost almost hu- human qualities for the rest of the children the way that they were being bullied if you're at that stage very often the child is probably better off getting a new start at a new school i wouldn't say it lightly but that's the one if the school is useless and they've been dehumanized and it's deep-rooted in a way why would you ask the child to keep going back into because if you were dehumanized in the office your partner would say let's let's just move out that's there's other ways to live. And so there does sometimes come a time when it's just too horrible. And you've obviously seen a lot of this in your work as a psychotherapist. At what point is going to see a psychotherapist as you know, a family or as the victim of bullying? At what stage does that become useful? Early. I, I have found that if I can see a, a, a child quite early in a bullying incident, they get a framing they listen to me, they get an understanding because I ask them, tell me about the cast. Who said what? When did it happen? And who's this person, John? And what did what did Anna say? Okay, right, okay. And I'm really getting the whole details. And if I can get a, give them a good understanding, they can feel a lot more equipped. So I wouldn't hold off very much. But that's not to say that they're going to therapy for the rest of their life. It might be just a few sessions and I would introduce it in quite a low-key manner. It's like, Oh, this person's a therapist and they might give us a few strategies and they're one of the many things we're going to do. We might end up doing 12 things to kind of regain our strength after this attack against us. And this is one of them. Rather than I'm bringing you to therapy and this professional is going to fix you. And you know what I mean? All all eyes on the because that's too much on the therapy. And it's 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 kind of disempowering for the child because it's like the professional had to come in and fix me because I couldn't do it myself. So it has to feel like part of the many solutions that we're doing. And the child feels part of it. And it's not this big, big deal. And we're really shelling out a lot of money 
and we're traveling quite a long way. That doesn't send a good message. That sounds like there's a crisis and all we can get in is the professionals. That to me um, could be disempowering. It's a it's a complex situation when there's bullying. You really have to be very kind of easy does it, make everything just one step forward and just watch and see how that pans out, then another step forward. You know, consistently kind of checking how has that gone and making sure your child realises this won't be finished by Thursday. This is going to kind of run on a little bit. It's going to take some time, but you're with us. I do, by the way, really believe in family therapy because that can make the child realise there's all sorts of issues and we're learning how to deal with conflict and communication and we're stronger as a result rather than you child have a problem you go and get the professional help. Do you understand? There's something very generous. Yeah, well, and also, I think one of the hardest things can be sort of talking about it and admitting you've got a problem. And actually, if you can be talking to people who are experts in a sort of formal way, it sort of opens the doors to that conversation. And actually, very often, if we communicate well with the people that can help us, the problems become less big. Hugely. Yeah. Communication is huge. If you've got good communication skills, or if you've learned them, you'll generally be able to, on some level, get enough help or enough support to get out of this difficult situation. But it can take time. It can take time because sometimes, you know, it has it really got quite rotten. You all know, every one of us knows that feeling of this is a toxic group. This is a toxic group that has been toxic for some time and now they've turned on me. And so that is something different than something accidental happened with my name because of Dancing with the Stars. Do you understand? So it's something different, depending on the context. And we've obviously talked, um, <coughs> we've talked about, um, you know, our children potentially being the victims. You know, a lot of us are going to have children who are potentially not the victims, but potentially the perpetrators or the kind of, the vehicles of the perpetrators. How yeah. do you deal with a child that you suspect might be the bully or an assistant to the bully? You know, it's really decent if you can say to yourself, yeah, actually, that my, my kid could become a bully. Because honestly, you know, there's a lovely quote from, I can't think of the, the author, but he says, we are born of risen apes, not fallen angels. And the apes were armed killers besides. As in, we came from, we are civilizing our children. When they're two, they'll grab the blue ball and they'll say, mine. And they'll punch their counterpart. And we'll kind of go, that's two-year-olds. And we civilize them from then on. And some of these children, especially children who have a high power need, they will tend towards wanting to take over. And they'll tend towards... Um, um, slipping into being bossy and things like that. And um, we need to gently but consistently point out to the child, well, did everybody get a go? Did you make sure that everybody got it? I don't know if that, I don't know now if Emily really got her chance there. And you're teaching them to become a better person so that they could one day become a great leader as opposed to a despot. And you could say that may, maybe maybe Putin's mother didn't say to him often enough, did you think of the other people in the classroom? So you kind of, I know that's being flippant, but like, I do think that an awful lot of people with a high power need can be, can be helped to become great leaders. And if unchecked, they can become terrible, brutal bullies and worse, 
you know, tyrants. And it does matter. It's about the parent. Remember I said earlier on about seeing who your child is and realizing who they are and working with it. And sometimes they need a little bit more help than other people do about acknowledging other people's needs. And that's all right. They're a kid. That's fine. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you just need to help them a little bit like you would with their dyslexia or their 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 shyness. And I think we are so afraid of the word bullying. We're so afraid of the idea that our child might be a bully. We just shut down and we pretend it's not happening. And I'm like, don't worry. Your child has loads of flaws like you do, like I do. That's okay. But the decent thing to do is acknowledge them and just help them along with it as opposed to pretending it, it's not happening. I also love that idea that, you know, great leaders have the potential to turn into bullies, but they went onto the right road as opposed to the wrong road. And maybe that's how you can position it to your child. You know, these are your yeah. characteristics. We want to, you know, it's like, you know, a, 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 a boxer <laughs> or, a you know, <laughs> who's who's got this group strength and sort of aggression is thinking, well, I'm not going to beat up people on the street, but I'm going to turn this into a sport and into an art and into a, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's using what you have to good effect and spotting that, you know, honestly, very often that child who takes over and says, we're doing my game, often their game is brilliant. Often they are a good fun. They often are, do have the ability to be a good leader and it can go to their head because they're eight and they haven't learned to manage their power. And so they, they can become a little bit tyrannical. And that's OK because they're eight. But you're just gently, you're not calling, you're not going to sit them down and say, you are a bully. You have a bad seed inside you and we need to stamp it out. It's more like you need to learn to make sure that everybody's needs were acknowledged in this. Make sure that everybody, even the quiet ones, because sometimes the quiet ones just nod along and make sure that we're we're bringing everybody into this as opposed to just your way. And yes, maybe your idea was a great idea and still we have to bring in everybody else's needs. And that's just, again, it's a gentle, consistent kind of teaching that will take some time. I suppose what you're saying is that we really need to be quite critical of our children. And that's very unfashionable to do right now. You know, we sort of gush on Instagram about how perfect our children are. And I'm not suggesting that we do this publicly, but actually to say, you know, what are what are their, you know, what are potentially their downfalls so that you can help them to navigate that as opposed to just think they're gorgeous and perfect and if they're unhappy at school it must be the other child's fault <laughs> yeah because it's such a an, an unreal idea that your specific children happen to be angels and don't need any guidance when every other child in history has needed guidance it's very very unlikely they probably need guidance and it's 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 really decent and courageous behavior of the parent to say yeah, they do need guidance and this is where I'm going to give them guidance. And to blame everybody else for everything is denying your child. It's not seeing your child. And we do need to be seen. You know what I mean? I needed to be seen as a child, seen and loved. It's just a beautiful kind of thing to, to interact with somebody and say, I see you for who you are. I see your flaws. And you know what? I love you. You're just absolutely lovable. And that's okay. And still see, I, I've still got your flaws in there and I see them. <laughs> <laughs> that slight tyrannical, <laughs> uh, that slight tyrannical trait you've got. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's been such a joy chatting to you. I feel like I could go on all afternoon. Um, but I've so enjoyed our conversation. Um, Stella's book, Bullyproof Kids, Practical Tools to Help Your Child Grow Up Confident, Resilient and Strong is out now. Um, Stella, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Stella, me thanks for listening and goodbye thank you planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.